Hello, you're listening to a Zen Studies Society podcast. To learn more about our community of Zen Buddhist practitioners, please visit zenstudies.org. The fifth ox herding picture, Taming the Ox. Preface. Once one little thought arises, another follows. Adhere to awakening, and all becomes truth. Reside in ignorance, and all is illusion. This happens not because of the world, but only because of your mind. Keep a firm grip on that rope, and do not waver. Verse, not for a moment, put down whip or rein, lest the ox wander back to dust and desire. Pull again and again till it's tame and gentle. Of itself, it then follows without bridle or chain. Sitting here at Dai Bosatsu Zendo's 45th anniversary session with our wonderful residents and additional officers and elders, and with all of you on Zoom. What an extraordinary moment. What a universal bodhisattva occasion. Yet, mixed with our joy is deep sadness. On July 2nd, we conducted a 49-day memorial service for Congo Jumpo Kondo Dennis Kelly Roshi. And yesterday, July 3rd, we learned of the passing of Vimla Muni John Nemec Roshi, who was the first priest Jumpo Roshi ordained many years ago. Vimla suffered from kidney disease and was awaiting a transplant. Vikar Roshi told me that he had attended Jumpo Roshi's funeral and that although he seemed very tired, no one knew he was so close to death. We offer our heartfelt Condolences to Hollow Bones Sangha. The 
Vimala was a true servant of Dharma. As a social worker, teacher, a therapist, a Zen priest, he worked with the Truth Program for more than 20 years, helping incarcerated men throughout Wisconsin find inner freedom. In 1995, he founded the Green Tara Sangha, now known as Green Bay Zen Center. Zuiken, who had a deep friendship with him over the past decade, once asked him how he got his Zen Center started. Vimala Roshi replied, just light the candle. Show up, no matter what. Just keep lighting the candle. Today is July 4th, 2021. The candle is lit and it is blown out again. And like Tokusan's great awakening with Yutan, an inner light explodes, illuminating the whole universe. We have shown up, coming from many directions. We have been brought to this time, this place, this moment. It may seem as though we've come from here and there, leading separate lives. But from the fundamental perspective, we've been on a great bodhisattva pilgrimage. All of us together long before we ever met. When did it start? We could say 45 years ago when the founding abbot, Muishitsu-edo Shimano Roshi, formally opened International Daibosatsu Kongoji. And even though Quite a few of you were not even born yet. Karmic seeds were planted and some mysterious force led you here. But when did this pilgrimage really start? We could say 50 years ago, when the property was first acquired 
in the late winter of 1971. Or we could say 90 years ago, 1931, when Soen Nakagawa began his solitary practice in a hut on Mount Daibosatsu near Mount Fuji. On that mountain, he had a dream of building a bodhisattva training place. And the dream came to fruition, he wrote, through the spontaneous activity of the Dharma, but not in Japan. The mountain moved. He continued, it happened on sacred land deep in the Catskill Mountains of New York State. It is an almost infinite wilderness and is a place where true Dharma friends can gather from all over the world, a place not limited just to Buddhism or Zen. Unlimited. The pilgrimage to this sacred land goes even further back to the indigenous people who lived here with no idea of property lines, who fished and hunted, offering respect and thanks to the spirits of their relations, sister trout, brother deer, who built their homes in harmony with Mother Earth, with reverence for the trees, the rocks, the waters, the birds, the animals, all the beings whose descendants are among us right here now. By the 1970s, American soil was fertile ground for Dharma teachings. Having been cultivated first by Soen Shaku Roshi, abbot of Engakuji, at the World Parliament of Religions in Chicago in 1893. And then two of his most important Japanese students, Nyogen Senzaki and D.T. Suzuki, spent many years in America. As most of you know, it was to support Dr. Suzuki's translations and writings on Buddhism that our Zen Studies Society was established in 1956.
the spiritual relationship between Yogen Senzaki and Soen Nakagawa Roshi. And the ingenuity and energy of Soen Roshi's disciple, Edo Roshi, gave birth to this practice. Dai Bosatsu Zen, rooted in the Rinzai tradition, yet fresh and vital, creative, responsive to its place and time. In 1971, Soen Roshi traveled from Japan to see this land. We held our first session here in the Zendo on the second floor of the original building named Jorakuan, the Beecher House. And at that session, in a Tei show on July 31st, Soen Roshi told us, we are all traveling. We are all on a universal cosmic trip. Wonderful trip for everybody, even for someone traveling with a miserable, dark mind crying. That is one kind of cosmic trip. Some travel full of happiness, full of brightness, but no matter how we travel, let us travel. Let us enjoy our trip. From the beginning, all of us are united with this endless dimension, universal life. There are not only three dimensions to this world, he said. There is a fourth, a fifth, a seventh dimension, endless dimensions. This endless dimension universe it is unthinkable. We cannot think it. There is no need to know all of these dimensions anyway. Right here is endless dimension. Universal tea. One cup of tea. I am still quoting Son Roshi. What I am saying is plain fact, not religious talk, true fact itself. So this one cup of tea, the true fact of one time, one meeting, 
And today, I offer this with profound gratitude to all those who made it possible for Dai Bosatsu Zendo to come into being. First and most importantly, to Edo Roshi, whose fierce motivation, tireless effort, and unquenchable spirit, and whose singing at any informal gathering to dream the impossible dream inspired all of us to join him on this pilgrimage to realize his teacher's dream. To Soanoshi, the great dreamer who moved mountains and who continues to travel with us on this universal cosmic trip. To his dear friend Yogen Senzaki, who settled in California in 1905, and whose inconspicuous bodhisattva spirit has deeply penetrated the hearts of all American Zen students, and whose Zendo of the Eastbound teachings moved to Daibosatsu Zendo after his death in 1958. To his revered teacher, Soen Shakuroshi, who returned to the United States in 1905, staying for a time with the first American Zen practitioner, a woman named Ida Russell. And to all the generous donors and generations of Sangha members who sat day after day, session after session, from that exuberant pioneering time through days of turbulence, vibrant change, and renewal. To this era of steadfast practice and joyful maturation in Buddha's Dharma. Each one of you, and thus we continue our pilgrimage, never turning back. 
not even in the midst of ever-worsening climate crises, with millions of lives lost. Just in the past 18 months, to illness, to fire, to floods, to drought, starvation, heat, storms, violence. As the hellfires rage across our planet, as the three poisons of greed, anger, and ignorance are literally destroying the earth. We are called We are called to be emissaries of Jizo, the Bodhisattva who goes into hell to bring succor, relief to all those suffering there. Our environment has become a hell realm and our practice has never been more urgent. Hakuin Zenji knew about hell. He was intimate with those fires. In his Rohatsu exhortations, he said, Beings, await your enlightenment as keenly as they would await a small rain cloud on the distant horizon during a drought. How can you sit so half-heartedly, he said to his monks. You must have a great vow to save them all. Time passes like an arrow. It waits for no one. Exert yourself. Exhaust yourself. So this Great Bodhisattva Mountain is exactly where we need to be to intensify our vow. Training for our lives, for all lives. For this, Daibosatsu Zendo was established. Our pilgrimage has brought us here. Even after everything is extinguished in the Kalpa fire, 
it will never end. So we're midway through the year of the ox. We've been investigating the 10 ox herding pictures and verses of the 12th century Chinese master Kakuon Xion with prefaces by his Dharma heir, Jion Osho. So far, I've spoken on the first four, searching for the ox, seeking what we think we lack. Finding traces of the ox, being encouraged to practice more vigorously, seeing the ox, experiencing Buddha nature in everyday activity, catching the ox and losing it again as it slips its rope and trots off into the mist. And today, July 4th, on the third day of our 45th anniversary session, we meet the fifth picture taming the ox, training the heart-mind. It's not easy until it is, until the great ease The laughter at the edge of the lake. From the beginning, there is nothing to do. But we're all too familiar with what's described in Jion's preface. One little thought, another follows. One thought, another thought, another, and another. This thought leading to that thought, and the next, and on and on. And what are they based on? Huh? What little syllable keeps those thoughts coming? the third day of session, we're quite aware that these thoughts arise from our ignorant clinging to an identity that we ourselves have constructed by now 
this third day. Can we say there's no need to believe in it? I no longer believe in myself. <laughs> now I can believe. So we have this training of cutting through, even as the first little thought arises. Say, abandon. Abandon ship. And Jion's preface continues. Adhere to awakening and all becomes truth. Reside in ignorance and all is illusion. This line is very much like Mumon's verse in Case 2, Hyakujo and the Fox. Case 2 of the Mumon Khan. And yesterday we heard Chigan Roshi's wonderful Teisho on this case from entangling vines. But in the gateless barrier, Mumon's verse goes like this. Not falling, not ignoring, two faces of one die. Not ignoring, not falling, a thousand errors, a million mistakes. So when you awaken, everything just as it is manifests this one essence. We are nothing but this. We are never apart from this. Cause and effect are like the two faces of one die. Maybe some of you don't understand one die doesn't mean one death. What is one die? You play with a dice, right? Dice. Usually we say dice, you understand. One die. One. No two. Or the two sides of one hand. Cause and effect. As Joshu Jushin put it, with this freedom in mind, we are free to give, free to take, free to kill, free to save. Adhere to awakening and all becomes truth. Reside in ignorance and all is illusion. No matter what you do, things go awry. This is our own life experience, right? We drop our bowls. We berate ourselves. We despair that we'll ever 
awaken. And the bird seems to say, you piece of shit. We get into arguments mentally, actually thinking if we talk long enough and loudly enough, others will fall in a line and agree with us. But as we know too well, this kind of activity brings us directly into hell. What we ignorantly take as real is a mere picture show. an illusory flower in the air. Believing in it, we suffer. And Jion Osho says, this happens not because of the world, but only because of your mind. Our suffering is not something done to us, but by us. So, we are the only ones who can put an end to it. And we're here to transform discriminating, blaming, two-dimensional mind into endless dimension, universal mind. So to do that, we need to keep a firm grip on that rope and do not waver. Be steady. Don't drift. As Daito Kokushi said, I warn you not to apply your heart toward miscellaneous affairs. Attend to your breath, your koan, with single-minded diligence, zenjo, complete, utter concentration. Awaken and awaken again. Never become complacent. Then you can understand the opening lines of what we recite every day. Tore Enji's poem, Bodhisattva's Vow. When I, a student of Dharma, look at the real form of the universe, all is the never-failing manifestation of the mysterious truth of Tathagata. All, he agrees. In any event, in any moment, and 
in any place. None can be other than the marvelous revelation of its glorious song. So all our troubles, all the things that are so concerning, do not con contradict this. They are, as Torenji Zenji wrote, the merciful avatars of Buddha who uses devices to emancipate us from harmful karma that has been produced and accumulated upon ourselves through our own egoistic delusion and attachment throughout the countless cycles of kalpa. Then we find that thoughts themselves are not impediments. They are Dharma teachings. As Tore put it, in each moment's flash of our thought, there will grow a lotus flower, and each lotus flower will reveal a Buddha. So Kakawon exhorts us in his verse, not for a moment put down whip or rein. Don't fritter away your samadhi. A moment's distraction and your mind will wander back to the dusts of the world, to the blind passions that amass and bring nothing but misery. And when that happens, when the mind is distracted and it happens to us all. Don't waste the next moment in blame. Immediately redirect the mind to taught awareness. Our accumulated samadhi gives us myochi riki, the power of wondrous wisdom. But he knew there was a but coming. <laughs> we are still prey to the deep karmic imprints conditioned reflexes that seduce us into believing our dualistic views. So Kakon says, pull again and again. Hey, ox. Hey. Pay attention. Hey. <laughs> Here. Step by step. Breath 
Zen practice is rigorous. The discipline is exacting. It's right within the discipline that we find true freedom. And once we've tasted it, really tasted it, faith, faith in our own being, our original mind is always at hand. And our training becomes more and more natural. Effort becomes effortless of its own accord the ox follows tamely happily so next time the sixth picture we will ride the ox home. This has been a Zen Study Society podcast. If you found it to be of interest, please consider making a donation by visiting zenstudies.org donate. Thank you for listening.